Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are tackling the rather controversial and thorny subject of the implosion of cryptocurrencies. Literally trillions wiped off over the last six months. Many investors left in a lot of pain. How could this happen to the non-correlated financial asset? That's exactly what we discuss in this show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitch Laurential. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter, and I'm going to throw you straight in the deep end today, and we're going to either sink or swim on this because we're going to talk about the crypto capitulation. Hmm. What's going on with Bitcoin? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit more than winter is coming. I think Polar Vortex was a description from a couple of people in the hedge fund industry, as we've seen um, you know, crypto, uh, particularly Bitcoin prices, get absolutely shredded uh, in the marketplace. And it's always a divisive subject because you've got the devout believers that are just it's a buying opportunity, which is usually the last bastion of a collapsed investment. Um, and you've got others that perhaps are looking through different lenses as to, I guess, the investment grade uh, of crypto, given some of the flaws uh, in, in the in the story, I suppose, that have come to light more recently. I don't know about you. I haven't really seen much marketing on my Facebook with crypto and crypto no. courses recently, which is probably a telltale sign, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, we see it, you know, when, when things are going well, everyone wants to beat their chest. Who doesn't? Um, but no, I haven't, haven't seen much posting uh, for a little while. Probably will after this uh, this discussion, that's for sure. And that's okay because, yeah, the whole purpose of this podcast is to improve financial literacy levels out there in the marketplace. And if it helps prompt discussion, so be it. That's good. So let's get our case in and see what people think about. All right, let's talk about what's happening thus far with, let's say, for example, Bitcoin, given that's the benchmark mm. cryptocurrency. So from my understanding, down 73% from its highs at its lows, I think 18,000 US dollars is where it got to. Yeah, look, it's a, it's an, an impressive fall, um, you know, which has sort of left a lot of blood on the floor for a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and, and my whole issue with, with particularly crypto trading is the way that the marketing has been done to entice people in. Um, you, know, it's, you know, it's not regulated. It's been you know, pretty reckless. And a lot of people have been sucked into this last chance saloon of this is the future of money and uh, this is how you make it. And when times were good, yeah, of course, it was... Uh, it was the best place in the world, but uh, 75% down and, and one or two of the exchanges and different platforms, you know, basically saying can't take your money out right now because they've got liquidity issues uh, slash uh, potentially insolvency issues is really quite scary for a lot of people because, you know, their money's tied up and they may or may not be able to get it back out on certain platforms and exchanges. A few of those exchanges listed as well, I know is a Coinbase is listed mm. on the S&P or the NASDAQ and mm. that's come down quite a bit considering the volatility in the crypto market. Yeah, it has. And, and and you wonder, I guess the bottom line is really simple and it's a crude analogy, but imagine you've you've got food poisoning from a restaurant. Um, what would it take for you to go back there for dinner? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And and so if you look at the way that that market has performed, it's kind of rather like getting food poisoning. It's been a very dramatic, immediate and decidedly unsavory experience over the last few months. Uh, what would it take for you to get back in that game again? And for a lot of people that have given it a go without necessarily being educated or to be quite honest, you know, so many, you know, courses out there that have just been written and put together by people that don't really have a lot of experience, just good sales skills. Um, yeah, they've been poorly guided and they've been absolutely handed some serious pain. So it's probably enough to shut that door on on crypto investing uh, for them going forward, which is very sad. It's like any investment. If you have a bad experience because of bad advice, um, you've got to be pretty tough mentally and uh, to get up off the canvas and want to go around again. Well, let's, let's dive in a little deeper, AB, in terms of the food poisoning analogy used. Mm. What, what, what do you think are the main points as to why we've seen crypto come off as much as we have? Well, look, I'd I like to go back to the arguments that were 
put in play to be the, the strong case for investing in crypto. An uncorrelated asset that gives you an independent return, probably not the case. Um, an inflation hedge, yeah, probably not the case. Uh, a portfolio uh, diversification tool, probably not the case. Um, and and uh, let's explore those in some detail. So let's start off with um, the inflation hedge. That's right. a big one. Yeah, and, and yeah, much talk was, and we've even covered this in, in a couple of podcasts this year. Um, yeah, the story about gold being the place to go during inflation, that's a story that hasn't totally played out in a correlated way like it has done in the past. And I think it reflects the new market that we're in is a very different phase from from previous markets. And in just the same way, you know, crypto, Bitcoin, whatever it may be, I keep referring to Bitcoin just because it's the the biggest one in that sector, but you could throw a blanket over all of them on this. Um, You know, Bitcoin is an inflation hedge because it's not correlated to other assets, et cetera, et cetera. And that just isn't the case. We've got a situation where we've got CPI and we've seen a 75% decline in an asset. So it's hardly an inflation hedge. It's just caved in. Um, So, you know, that argument I I wasn't entirely convinced on and I don't think holds any truth. Uh, And these are the things that are used, of course, to market this. Secondly, is um, using you know crypto as an asset allocation decision. We started to see a lot of self-managed supers having a bigger and bigger exposure, um, you know, to, to crypto assets. Um, some time back, probably six, seven, eight months ago. To be cool, um, and 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 because I guess there was an attraction because cash at the bank was earning nothing. So you've got to get. There's, there is no alternative, Tina, the acronym. There is no alternative. You've got to get your money in something, doing something, and. Um, and so seeing that money flow into uh, crypto, um, you, you wouldn't necessarily put that alongside the risk spectrum for a lot of self-managed super investors. But I guess when you've got a runaway market that's got great momentum, if you're a momentum investor, then you, you buy into it. Simple as that. And again, that diversification of asset hasn't really worked because really, yeah, the performance of, uh, of, of Bitcoin and crypto has been largely correlated to the S&P 500. So, you know, you could trade an index tracker on the S&P 500, which is regulated, that you can gear or ungear, where there's a really tight spread and, and so on and so forth. And you can work options around, you can buy puts for protection, a lot more. And it's a straightforward, right? Mm, very simple, very straightforward uh, type of product. You can get your money in and out within a day. Uh, all of these things, you, you would have achieved the same thing, just maybe without a little bit of the hype and hubris. Much less volatility too. If you're trading something that's correlated to the S and P, you'd rather be in the S and P in these downtimes. We, we, right? We've had a few spicy days, but uh, by, uh, by every stretch of the imagination, you'd argue it's a less volatile play for sure. Which, again, going back to people's asset allocation decision um, and attitude to risk is something you always have to take into account. But probably the biggest one is is the move in interest rates. So. I always like to, and I, I know our regulator ASIC hate that, you know, they always insist that we say past performance is no guarantee of future performance. But I guess in reality, it's actually a really good indicator of future performance by looking historically. That's why we look at charts. That's why we look at patterns of behavior in markets, um, which are a very, very good tool to use to help make decisions. So if I go back through my playbook and look at the last time the Fed in the US, the Federal Reserve, the central bank in the US, were raising interest rates, which was through that 2017-2018 period. If you look at the performance from, of Bitcoin, you know, from sort of 2017 to December 2018, where the Fed really did move on rates and it got above 2% from very, very low levels. So it was a sort of threshold. What you've effectively seen is an environment where money was almost free to borrow, just as it's been for the last couple of years to a point in time where money now costs. And if it costs, there's an opportunity cost uh, associated with it. You've got to pay interest, which means if you're holding cash or, or 
bonds or any other corporate paper, you're receiving a decent level of interest. When interest rates are very low, you're getting half of nothing. So when interest rates are very low, you've got to put your money somewhere. There is no alternative, get into something like crypto or other assets. 2017-18, we saw the Fed increase interest rates. We also saw crypto sell off by about 75%. I didn't know that. That's pretty crazy. A lot of people won't remember that, of course, because most of the gurus selling courses weren't around then either. And they haven't really had the experience of being in multiple market cycles, which is someone that's been in the game for 30 years, not crypto, but trading. Um, yeah, These are cycles that present and they leave clues. So here we are now with a aggressive tightening cycle on the part of the Fed, you know, where we're seeing rates jack up quite quickly with more to come as the time we're recording this. That's probably exerted a fair amount of pressure on cryptocurrency too, because all of a sudden um, money does accumulate interest if you're holding it in cash. Corporate bonds have high yields, treasuries have high yields. So now there's an opportunity cost of having that money in crypto versus other assets. And maybe that's part of the um, cause of the sell-off that we've seen. The interest rates have now moved up and crypto moves down on higher interest rates. So do you think investors, AB, are thinking, why would I be holding such a volatile asset when I can plug it into a two-year treasury bond and get just shy of 3%? Mm, that's right. And, and and I guess you could argue that it's a fairly low-risk investment. Treasuries, albeit there's a lot of them been printed recently and there's no ability to repay them, but that's that's not something to consider for the next sort of 5, 10, 20 years. That's somebody <laughs> else's problem down the line. The new world of financial markets is somebody else's problem, right? Um, and so, yeah, maybe that is a realisation uh, and you're seeing those funds being repatriated. Also, you know, we're in a situation, um, certainly in the Western world, where the cost of living has gone through the roof. People are feeling the pinch. Disposable income is shrinking and having a bit of a punt on the market uh, for, for a lot of mum and dad investors where maybe cash flow is a little bit tight, but you had a little bit when times were good, you know, 18 months ago, a year ago, times were pretty good. You had a bit of spare cash. Well, no point keeping it in the bank, earning nothing. Let's get it into something. Oh, I've heard this online. I've been on Facebook, saw the ad. Let's go. Uh, that argument's really changed quite a lot. You know, if you look at gas prices, yeah, what are you paying? $2.20, $2.30, 40 depending on where you are in Australia right now. Uh, nearly 7 bucks a gallon in the US, which is just unprecedented. All of a sudden, that, 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 that bank account, that cost of living rise has been chipped away at and that disposable spending, oh, yeah, remember we've got that money at Binance, let's get that back and put that into uh, softening this cost of living rise we're in. And these are all small things. Uh, rather like plywood, they're all very fragile on their own. But when you start to layer boards up together, it becomes bulletproof. And I think these are all contributing factors, not just one, but all of them uh, coming together to to form a much, much stronger uh, negative argument for, for cryptocurrency. And if we also talk about cost, AB, we talk about the cost of mining yeah. Bitcoin, for example. But to play devil's advocate here for you and, uh, and throw a curveball at you, if the cost of mining is greater, therefore there would be less Bitcoin, for example, in circulation. You'd argue supply and demand, the price should be moving up, right? Right. So why yeah. is it not? Um, maybe a lack of appetite on the basis of a 75% schlacking. <laughs> uh, you sort of, you know, you want to be pretty, pretty keen to dive back in for more of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, you could argue the same thing about our banks. I know we had this conversation in a team strategy meeting this morning. You know, when you get higher interest rates, normally that's good for banks. And we're not necessarily seeing that right now because on its own, higher interest rates is good for banks. But against a slowing economy where there's a recession looming on the horizon is not good for banks. And that's a heavier argument than just the simple margin expansion. Okay, so it's quite correct in the assumption higher interest rates are good for banks usually, but that's more than offset by this looming recession threat that's coming over the horizon. So that trumps that. If you argue the same from a crypto perspective, and you're quite right, the cost of mining crypto now is uneconomic with higher energy prices. So you know, for what you get for a coin, 
Um, and I think it's six and a quarter coins you get for resolving one of the hexadecimal problems. I think that's Wouldn't how it I works. Wouldn't have a clue. Um, and when you look at what that cost versus the cost of the electricity that's required in order to 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 to, to create that or to resolve that 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 puzzle. It's not a cost-effective exercise right now. You'd need to see quite a decent reduction in energy prices, which is not particularly looming on the horizon now either. So, yeah, there is an argument that there's less supply, but I'd say there's significantly less appetite for wanting to jump back in the ring for a, to, to get another touch-up. So question as we wrap up here, AB, where to for cryptocurrency in the medium term, the next six months? Yeah, look, that's a, that's, a, that's a really good philosophical question. And I think... You know, it's one of those things. Uh, if we talk about, say, property or even you know stock markets as a as a as a, a broad investment landscape, and try and translate that analogy to to crypto, you drop the pond, uh, the pebble in the pond. So there's a stone that's in the pond. It creates a ripple effect. If you're talking about in like really good quality suburban property that's in a really tight, well-held suburb. So, you know, if you're in Brisbane, you know, Hamilton, Ascot, Clayfield, New Farm. If you're in Sydney, you know, Wallara, Darling Point. If you're in Melbourne, Toorak, Brighton, any of those sort of really good quality, if you're, you know, if you're on the Gold Coast, Hedges Avenue or Paradise Waters, whatever it may be, um, Glenelg, if you're in Adelaide, and you know, Peppermint Grove, if you're in, in Perth, there we go, that's my... Nice. Uh, Ponsonby, if you're listening in Auckland. A geography okay. lesson for a young so, duck like me. So these are all really good quality suburbs where you should be buying investment property. I'm nearly on my second. <laughs> and, um, and, and specifically within the... Even when there's a downturn, they tend to hold their value, whereas... The stuff that's subdivided that's further out from the epicenter where the, the pebble was dropped tends to perform less well. It's the last to rise, the first to drop. In equity markets, you know, those core solid businesses that are just earnings machines, SO being a very good example of the selling company in the US, utility, boring business, just pumps out earnings. That's all it does. It's not an exciting business, but it's also a great earner. Um, they're the last to get sold off, but they're also the ones that don't necessarily enjoy the meteoric rise uh, in a bull market. So your tech stocks might be flying up to Pluto. All of a sudden, they're also coming back down to earth pretty quick, whereas the journey with Southern is a much slower but more robust process. So when you look at that from a, a, a crypto perspective, when markets were running high, people were living high on the hog, lifestyle's great, everyone's got plenty of money, there's nothing to worry about, the future's bright. They're the kind of assets that ramp really quickly and really hard, which we saw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's get into that, give it a go. What have we got to lose? We've got to spare 20, let's have a crack. And now things are getting tighter. They're the first things that get sold off. They love the lifestyle assets, the ski lodge, the boat, the jet ski. When times get tight, that's that's what gets flogged the quickest. And, and in that regard, I think that's probably happening, because I don't think it's done yet, in the crypto space. And I suspect there's going to be that headwind uh, that hovers and pushes into that market, um, not just over the next six months, but if we go into tougher economic climates, and and it, as I've discussed previously, if it's not an inflation hedge and we've got inflation, and if interest rates continue to move up and there's a cost of capital, um, then I suspect that headwind hasn't totally gone away yet. And yes, it's cheap relative to where it was, but in a way where it was was so manifestly overpriced, it had no business being there in the first place. So it's come back to maybe a fair value it's a really good way to put it. It's almost like a discretionary asset. You've likely got a really small exposure if you're half smart, at least. You haven't got your whole net worth put into crypto. So mm. 
it's the first one to go, right? I'll have a think about it. You want to buy a jet ski in the middle of a bull market, then you're going to be paying top dollar, 20, 25 grand for your Sea-Doo. As soon as you start to get a contracting economy, you'll be buying one for four grand online easily as that because that's the first thing that people want to flog and there's no market for something in those conditions. You're a price taker. So, you know, that's pretty harsh. Um, and, and as I say, I expect our fair share of people will give us a flogging for what we've had to say. It's our opinion. I don't think it's entirely baseless when you talk about what's gone on within the interest rate cycle, for example, previously. Um, it's unfortunate, and, and, and this isn't a told you so. I suppose it is, but it's not meant to be a told you so. Um, there are a lot of mum and dad investors out there that have suffered on the back of some really aggressive marketing, sucking them into uh, a playground where they had no business really playing. Uh, and that's something that I find quite objectionable as someone that's been at the forefront, if you will, as an advocate for financial literacy in Australia now for 22 years in a regulated industry where you've got to be very measured and controlled on what you can say. It's got to be substantiated and it can't be misleading. And the, you've got open slather on the other side of the pitch uh, where it's a totally unregulated industry where you can say just about anything you want to make a sale. And that's coming home to haunt and hurt a lot of people. And that's very sad. And that's why we advocate you know, financial literacy, learn about these things uh, so that you can uh, avoid falling into those kinds of those kinds of traps. And it's going to be unpleasant for a lot of people because they've lost a lot of money. There are literally trillions. I think it worked out to be something like the value. If you t- take this as an example, if you take the market capitalization of Woolworths, not a small business. No, not at all. The valuation, the market capitalization of Woolworths every single day for the last eight months has been lost in the crypto space. That's a lot of Woolworths yeah. lost. So, you know, when you put it into that sort of context and, and, and you know, that's people's hard-earned dough that's gone out of the window and usually the people that are buying in at the back end of the run uh, other laggards, people that have got a high threshold for making a decision. I need to see more proof, and then that FOMO creeps in. You know, fear of missing out. You you you've been thinking about it for weeks, months, years, and then you finally hop in it. You know, it's, it's broken seventy. It's going to hit a hundred. Um, let's hop in just in time for it to uh, plummet down to earth. And because maybe your decision making is tardy, I think would be the word, or you, you, you you're quite slow in making decisions. It's easier then to hold on or bounce back. And by holding on, it's just compounded the problem. So a poorly timed entry compounded by you know a, re- a really, really weak performance on the back end. And now we're holding, it'll come back. We've got to hold, we've lost so much money. We've just got to hold and wait for it to come back. And that may or may not happen. Yeah, it could be a long time. Yeah. We know how long. And, and this will bleed across too, I think in, um, into other asset classes. I mean, we talk about, you know, uh, and I did a fantastic podcast with Eric Poulier um, on nifties, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, you know, quite some time ago, probably over a year ago now, I think. I reckon, yeah. And Eric was fantastic, A, first volunteering his time, and B, with the clarity of information he provided. And, and this notion that NFTs are a store of wealth, so you can buy art and different things in that sort of space, carries a lot of merit in many regards, but then also it can also be a bit of a fad. Um, you know, and how can I put this? I think... You know, you saw Jack Dorsey's Twitter tweet, his first ever tweet uh, became an NFT that was auctioned off and it went for a couple of million bucks and the secondary market for it, someone, the person that bought it decided to put it up for sale and I think it was like 40 grand was the the best bid. Those numbers probably aren't quite right, but it's of that sort of order. Um, There was no interest in it. You know, it was a a gimmick at the time and and you paid top dollar for it. And, and, And... there'll be a bleed on effect i think of this this trauma in the crypto space that will flood across to other assets in the in the broader ecosystem yeah blockchain's here to stay it's amazing technology and it's probably the thing that will come out of the crypto 
boom, bust, boom, whatever happens next. Yeah, that blockchain technology will be here forever. Uh, and, and it's incredible technology in, in, in so many different ways. Um, but there'll be a lot of pain across that sector and related assets, NFTs being one of them, I think. And you, know, you kind of look at where Facebook is going, creating the metaverse, for example, which you know, relies on things like NFTs and this whole new world of stuff that I don't fully understand. And quite frankly, I'm maybe I'm just some old codger. I'd rather spend time hanging out with my kids and you know, driving my tractor around the farm and trading real markets and making money than putting on 3D goggles and, and, and living in this pretend <laughs> world. Um, but you know, whatever floats your boat. You wonder what the rub-on effect would be for the outlook for things like the metaverse when you know, the, the, the champion of that future pathway, if you will, being either crypto and then NFTs, that you know, that pathway changes a little bit because Facebook are pretty deep in with their spending on that and you can't see that they'll turn around anytime soon, but you wonder what that universe then looks like. So, you know, it's not just about the movement in Bitcoin. I think there are some fairly significant ramifications for for other uh, areas within that whole ecosystem of the metaverse and, and nifties and everything else around it. All the more reason to get financially literate, AB. Thank you very much for your time today. Great little episode. Pleasure anytime, Mitch. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.